couple of days ago, my son and I were out in the uh, front of the yard playing basketball, and um, we saw some people coming our direction, uh, a lady and a couple of uh, young teenage girls and uh, another young person. <clears throat> and they, uh, they had some Bibles in their hands, and so they, uh, <laughs> when my son saw them, he headed for the house. <laughs> but uh, I thought, no, I'm going to stay this time and, and see what's up. And they were, um, they were doing a survey, and it was from a church that wasn't very far away, and they were asking some questions. And basically what it is, it's a membership drive. They, they go out and they talk to you a little bit about the Bible, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They give you a little tract or whatever and try to get you to come to their church. But they sort of opened the door by saying, we have some questions about, you know, religion. So I, I said, well, sure, you know, I'll, I'll answer them. And, and uh, <laughs> so she asked if... Uh, what you had to do to go to heaven. <laughs> so about five minutes later, uh, <clears throat> she got many plan of God there, and so she sort of went to her next question, well, do you believe you're saved? And I addressed that issue, and how are you saved? And I said, well, it's through Jesus Christ. And, and that kind of relaxed her, you know, because she was a little bit worried there for a while. But uh, she asked, you know, well, are you ready to meet the Lord if, if you died today or if Jesus came back today? And I thought that was interesting. You know, there's no way that I could go into how can Jesus Christ come back today? I mean, how could he show up this afternoon? And, of course, she believed and understood, at least she thought she understood, this rapture that Jesus sort of coasts by the earth and raptures away the believers, and Christ, you know, could come tonight. He could come this afternoon. And I thought about that, and I thought, isn't that interesting what happens when you don't have the holy days, that you actually could think that Jesus could show up this afternoon? And yet the very day that we are keeping, the Feast of, and I want to stress, trumpets, plural, shows that Christ can't come back this afternoon not according to prophecy. So what we're going to do in the sermon this morning, and we'll move on into the afternoon a little later with a little bit of a different theme, is we're going to go through some various scriptures, and we'll use a lot of scriptures today, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I think <clears throat> at times we've had sermons where we've had big, long stories in one scripture. Uh, not today. We'll have a lot of them, because the Bible is, excuse me, is filled with examples about the day of the Lord, about what it means what it is, how long it is, how it's set up, what the various parts are. And it's very important because we are to give meat in due season. And the day of the Lord is prophetic. Jesus Christ has not come back yet, therefore the Feast of Trumpets has not been fulfilled in Christ. Just like we talked about earlier, Pentecost was not fulfilled at Christ's death because the church had to wait. They waited a few days, you know, 50 days, and then Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came. So Pentecost wasn't fulfilled at Christ's return. But there's a great deal of information written about Pentecost because in the book of Acts it was fulfilled. But there's nothing about trumpets. There's nothing about atonement. Very little. Why? Because it's yet to be fulfilled. But in fact, there is a great deal about trumpets and atonement in the book of Revelation because that book shows that in fact these days are prophetic. Well, let's set up the day of the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 24. We'll start off in Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> and we'll set the stage for the day of the Lord. 
would like to know when Jesus is coming back. You know, you hear a lot of different people, when will the Lord come back and when shall he return? And that's, that's not a bad question at all, and we'd, we'd like to know that. Sometimes we were made fun of for trying to figure it out, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We all wait for the return of Christ, but we know that there are some things that have to happen first. <clears throat> In verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him, and they wanted to show him the building, and Jesus said, See you all these things. Verily I say unto you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So he left there, he left the temple, in verse 3, he went to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came privately, and they said, referring back to what he talked about to other people, he said, tell us what shall be these things, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and the end of the world. And Jesus began to explain, he said, take heed that no man deceive you, because many men, many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and deceive many, not a few, but many. And he said, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation. And as a result of that, there'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in different places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. So he kind of lumps those four in one group, and then he moves on into another group. And he says, then they'll deliver you to be afflicted, and they'll kill you, and you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And talks about people off offending and people betraying one another and, and turning on one another. And then verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel about Christ, but the gospel that Christ brought, about you being born into his family and being God, shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, then will the end come. And you'll see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And, you know, he tells that you need to understand that and think about that. Verse 21, then there'll be great tribulation. But see, Christ isn't back yet. There'll be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Then, unless these days be shortened, no flesh be saved alive. So he explains part of this. We're talking about the false Christ, the wars, the famine, the pestilence. We've got a tribulation. But then it says, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon not give her light and the stars fall from heaven and the powers of heaven be shaken. And then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then will all the tribes of the earth mourn when they see the Son of Man coming with great uh, in clouds of heaven with power and so forth. And then he'll send his angels with the great sound of what? A trumpet. Lo and behold, you know, the feast of trumpets. See, that, that trumpet's not blown yet. That trumpet's not fulfilled yet. That's why we're here. It's not fulfilled in Christ. There's another part to that. So here we are, like this young lady, we're trying to figure out, well, when is Christ going to come back? Good question. But as we look at this, by keeping the day of trumpets, the feast of trumpets, we understand that there are a lot of things that have to happen first. Now, Christ is the one that explains and expounds the scriptures. So we still don't really see too much about Christ's return here. We just sort of lead up to it. Well, let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. You know, sometimes people will say, how come you don't find you know, the feast days in the Bible, in the New Testament. Well, you do find them. You find Passover, 
in the New Testament. You find the wave sheaf offering that Christ fulfilled when on the first Sunday after Passover, he appeared to his Father in heaven in our place as the wave sheaf. We find the feast of first fruits being fulfilled in Acts, but then we don't find any more, do we? That's why Revelation is written, because it has all the rest of them, because they're all in the future. They all begin at the beginning of the seven 1,000-year period. That is why Feast of Trumpets is on what day of the seventh month? See, some have gotten away from the Hebrew calendar. Why? See, the Hebrew calendar is important. We don't live by it. I don't go to work by it. But by the Hebrew calendar, we know that the first day of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets. And all the other days follow in the seventh month, the seventh 1,000-year period. So they all go together. Now, Revelation, what God has done here is he's left us an explanation of the day of the Lord. And we'll get into that a little bit, that these things fall in the day of the Lord. And once you understand what the day of the Lord is, you find that atonement falls in the day of the Lord because the day of the Lord is not just one day. It can be several things, and we'll, we'll see that as we go along. That's why it's Feast of Trumpets in the plural. Revelation 6, verse 1, I saw the Lamb, which we know is Christ, open one of the seals. So it's kind of like you, you get this prize, and you've got this big box, and inside it says six, uh, seven seals. And so you open the top, and you look in, and there's seven boxes, you might say, you know, and, and the first seal, and you open it, and the second, third, fourth, and you get to the seventh one, it says, open this last, and you open it, and inside of that is what? Seven more boxes, you know, that say the seven trumpets. And so trumpet one, trumpet two, trumpet three, and you get to the last one, it says, open me last, number seven. And you open it up, and, you know, it's like somebody playing a trick on you on your anniversary, you know, they put it in a big box, and you open it up, and there's another box, and you open it up, and there's another box. Well, you open up the seventh trumpet, and inside of there is what? seven more boxes, only they're called the seven vials, the seven plagues, and you open those up. So what we're doing here is starting ground one, the seven seals. And so the lamb opens these up and begins to interpret them. <clears throat> Verse two, I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given him, and he went forth to conquer, conquering and to conquer. Now, Christ interprets that as being false prophets, false religions back in Matthew 24. So it's very, very plain that they will deceive most of the world. Other scriptures say Satan's deceived the whole world. So it's not shocking for us to see other religions that have a form of godliness, that are good people, that have the name of Jesus, that have some good works, that read the same Bible we do, that do some of the things that are there, but have no idea when Christ is coming back, have no idea about the real gospel of being God. The real gospel that Christ will come back here. Because this woman's face really dropped when I said, no, we're not going to heaven. The kingdom of God will be on this earth. The meek will inherit the earth. Then we will plant the heavens and move out to the universe as time goes on. And she was just stunned. She'd never heard that. A woman who was involved enough in Christianity to, to feel strong enough that she went door to door to door with this same Bible... And I'm not knocking her. Say, you know, she was convicted. And when we talked, she didn't know the gospel. She didn't know the gospel. She didn't know that Christ couldn't come back this afternoon. She didn't even know that we were 24 hours away from the Feast of Trumpets. 
You see, so at times when someone says, well, see all these churches, they can't be all wrong. Brethren, they can be wrong. And the only way you can think that they can't be wrong is if you turn loose of the holy days. Because all of a sudden we use human reasoning. Well, they can't be wrong. They have good works. You know, some of them works are better than ours. And so we lose it. So God said, no, you keep the feast every single year to remind us so it doesn't get away. Not just for us, but for our children. Every single year. We can have one year, and already titles are being changed from Feast of Tabernacles to Feast of Faith to you don't have to have service every day if you can't get off work. You see, already it starts. So we're faithful, we're here, and we understand that these are very, very important. So we've got the false churches spreading out. Well, what was the second thing Christ said? Wars, rumors of wars. Verse 3, then he opened the second seal, and there was a second beast, and it was red, and the rest of the verse says that he took peace from the earth. War. That's the second one. Then the third one, verse 5, he opened the third seal, and there was a third beast. And this black horse, and he had a pair of balances, which is a scale. So you've got famine. But then, verse 7, the fourth seal, come and look, verse 8, a pale horse. And this was the pestilence. Now, these things have been around for a long time, haven't they? We've had wars. We've had false religion. We've had all of these for quite a while. But guess what? That's why they're on horses, because they ride for a long time. There is a 2,000-year period there that from the time that Christ is taken up, the false Christianity begins, the wars come on, we've got holy crusades, we've got all kinds of things, the Middle Ages. But these are on horses, and they ride and they go through. But the end is not yet. Christ hasn't come yet. The day of the Lord isn't here yet. This is just the first ones. Now, verse 9, <clears throat> we're going to start getting closer to the day of the Lord. Verse 9 is this other seal, the fifth one. He opened the fifth seal, and under the altar we saw the souls or the people that were, notice were, past tense, were slain for the word of God and the testimony that they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that are on the earth? Now, remember what Christ said earlier. He said, After the wars and after the pestilence and so forth, he said, Then shall they take you and deliver you up and kill you. And then and he talks about that. So here is a tribulation that takes place in the days of the apostles. But we know because we know the six styles that we covered in services last week of prophecy that there are du there is duality, there are types, there are time lapses in prophecy. And so there was a tribulation, yes, that followed those four horsemen. And all we have to do is read about what, ha what the Caesars did to Christians. Then when the Caesar got knock knocked off, the people who said that they replaced the Caesar and they were Christian, they ended up killing more Christians than the Caesar did in the name of Christ what we know as the Holy Crusades and the Dark Ages and so forth. Until finally, her daughters rebelled against her and they broke away. But then they killed people as well. So there is one tribulation that it, we have people who were killed. And it says they were. That's past tense. But you know, there's a tribulation to come, isn't there? There's a time to come. The four horsemen ride. But there is another one to come just before Christ's return. This tribulation here lasted 1260 years which was the dark ages which lasted from the time that the roman holy roman empire was set up until the fall with napoleon and if you'll hold your place there and go to revelation 12 you'll see that 
<clears throat> here is the birth of Christ to Israel. And remember, Israel and the church are types. Christ came from Israel. The dragon tried to kill Israel, but then the church became Israel as well. So there's a duality there. And remember, the, the dragon tries to kill the child, which was Herod. He possessed Herod and tried to kill Herod or the child off. Verse 6, the woman fled to the wilderness, see, after the child was caught up to the throne of God, where she has a place prepared of her of God that he would feed her 1,260 days, a day for a year. But that's only one tribulation. That's the one we just read about where the saints were killed, past tense. But now what about the future? Verse 7, then we have a time lapse, and there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought with his angels, and prevailed not. And verse 9, the dragon was cast out, and then he's named the serpent, the devil, Satan, that deceives the whole world. Verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now comes salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God. See, Christ's kingdom's not here yet. The power of his Christ, the accuser of our brethren, is cast down. Now, Verse 12, rejoice you heavens, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Verse 13, the dragon saw he was cast to the earth. He persecuted the woman. Well, he's already done that, 1260 days. Ah, that was the other tribulation, the dark ages. There's another one to come. Not 1260 years, though, the next one. The next one will be 1260 literal days, or three and a half years. So there's a duality there. There's a type there. And you wouldn't know that if you didn't keep the Feast of Trumpets. So it goes on and says uh, that the church is protected, verse 14, and we don't understand all of that, but she is protected from the face of the serpent for a time, times, and half a time. And it is interesting, verse 17, the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. And that is another study in itself. I'll uh, digress for just a minute. It's interesting that in the first tribulation, and granted, I'm using the word tribulation in a, just like Christ did. There'll be great tribulation, but it's not the great tribulation. The tribulation during the Dark Ages. Christians were killed, but why were they killed? They were killed for the name of Christ, first of all. Those were killed by Nero who were burned. The Christians that were burned and fed to the lions, why were they killed? Because they may not have had perfect understanding, but they embraced the name of Jesus. Okay, But then, as the Caesars got out of power, who got in power? The Holy Roman Empire. Now, did they persecute Christians? Oh, absolutely, because we read the great prostitute is what? Drunk on the blood of the saints. So how could she kill him? For the name of Christ? No. No. Look at, um, uh, back to the seal again, Revelation 6. <clears throat> See, she couldn't kill him during the Middle Ages for the name of Jesus. Why? Because everybody had the name of Jesus. I mean, she's a Christian church. What did they kill people for in the Middle Ages? For the word of God. You couldn't have the Bible. You couldn't translate the Bible. You caught, were caught reading the Bible. They professed Christians. So, so they professed the name of Christ which you couldn't have done during the Caesar's time. So the people that died during Caesar, they died for Christ's name. But then you move into when the, Cap, uh, when the great church took over and you died not for the name of Christ because she has the, the name on her head. You died for the word of God. That's what it says here in verse 9. It says the fifth seal, the altar, 
had the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. So now we've got the word of God. But this is the first tribulation. But what about the next one? Now we all know about the next one, don't we? There's going to be a great religious power that will take over all the, all the earth. But she's got harlot daughters. And when she brings them to her, will she persecute for the name of Christ? Can't do that. How about the word of God? Can't do that now because her daughters, when she brings them in, they have the word of God, don't they? It's very important to them. What will they persecute for? Well, let's go into that. Let's, let's read the rest of it. Verse 10, they cried with a voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge, which is what the day of the Lord is, in the name of Jesus. And isn't it interesting, after 50 years of work, that the church of God got back the law, got back the commandments, got back the holy days. And isn't it interesting that now we have a group of individuals who had that who now say you don't need the commandments, you don't need the holy days. We have the name of Jesus. We have much in common with all the other churches around. We need to gather in with them. Yet the scripture says we are virgins. We are not defiled with women. The women, it's not a... It's not a you know, it's a prophetic term. It's talking about here false churches. So prophecy comes alive when we understand the holy days, when we understand the Feast of Trumpets. So Christ can't show up tomorrow. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening here. So we've got this tribulation. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. <clears throat> so do we see that there are two tribulations in, in the um, fifth seal? There's the one that happened during the Middle Ages, and then there's the one that will come. Just like there's a 1260 literal years, and there's a 1260 days. Just like there's Antiochus Epiphanes, and then there was Titus who came and destroyed the temple. You know, there's, there's going to be, uh, you know, the same kind of situation with the um, tribulation. Now, verse 12. I beheld, and there was a sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as the sackcloth of hair, and the moon as blood, and the stars of heaven fell. Verse 14, the heaven departed as a scroll, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth, and great men, and rich men, and chief captains, and mighty men, and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and they said, Fall on us from the face of him that sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb. So he comes back... Um, and it says, the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand? So that sets the stage for the day of the Lord. All of these other things, the horsemen ride for a long time. So people will say, oh, there's been wars and rumors of wars, you know, Christ still isn't come. Yeah, they're on horses. There's been a tribulation. Yes, that went until the fall of Napoleon, when the great church fell. And it was only resurrected one more time, just a little while, in, um, in Mussolini and Hitler. But how long? When, it, when did uh, Hitler invade Poland? 39. And the war was over in 45. Six years. I mean, how, that's nothing compared to the other lengths of time that the beast power ruled. So that's not the tribulation. The tribulation is coming upon us. And people that turn loose of the holy days and the commandments will go to sleep and they'll not recognize it. They'll not recognize it. Now, how about the length of the day of the Lord? <clears throat> now, let's... let's um, Chapter 7, what chapter 7 does is it kind of takes a break, and before it introduces the seven trumpets, it says, it tells you what happens to 
the different church people and being sealed and so forth. Now, chapter 8, he opens the seventh seal. And lo and behold, you look inside and there's those seven boxes, you know, the seven trumpets. So we're not done yet. You open it up and verse um, 6 of chapter 8, Revelation 8, verse 6, and there were seven angels that had seven trumpets and prepared themselves to sound. So our feast day that we keep is the feast of trumpets. So it entails these seven trumpets now. Now, you go through and you find that, that uh, the different ones blow and, and, and go off, but it's not until what trumpet that the resurrection takes place, the seventh trump, the last trumpet. So there's a lot more to happen uh, there. Okay, let's go back to Amos chapter 5. We'll be jumping around quite a bit today. Amos chapter 5. You got Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Andy. Uh, okay, Amos chapter 5. Let me ask you, how long is the day of the Lord? A day? A year? A thousand years? Eternity? An hour? You know what the answer is? Yes. Yes. Answer is yes. <clears throat> and this is one of the problems of interpreting and understanding prophecy without those six styles that we talked about Sabbath. Those of you who weren't here, their prophecy is dual. And it, sometimes if you don't know that, you don't realize that there's a duality. There's, there's different types. In other words, one person is a type of one to come. There's the historical background. And if you understand the historical background, and which we're able to do, and that helps us understand the tribulation and the 1260 years and, and when the, the uh, great church got started in 554 and then it fell in 1814 when Waterloo came, and that was 1260 years. So then there's the time lapse where a scripture will be going along and actually have a time lapse right in the middle of it. And we use the example of unto us a son is born, unto us, or unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Well, see, there's a 2,000-year gap there. Because he was born, but the government wasn't given to him. He said, I'm a king, but my kingdom's not of this world. But then you read Revelation, I think it's 11:15, that the last trumpet blows, and then the kingdoms of this world become his kingdoms. So there's a 2,000-year time lapse there. You've got that. Then also you realize the styles are here a little, there a little. And by putting lots of scriptures together, you realize who the beast is. You realize where these parts of a lion and a leopard and a bear come from in Revelation 13 by going here, there, and, and yonder. So putting that all together and understanding that the length of the day of the Lord is a day, is a year, is a thousand years, is eternity, is an hour then it will help us understand. Because sometimes they'll make a statement that you will read and you'll, you'll say, well, how, how does that fit in? That doesn't make sense. It says in the day of the Lord, all the wicked will be raised. Well, when, we know when that happens. That doesn't happen at Christ's return, right? Not immediately. So we'll, we'll show you that as we go through. Uh, Amos chapter 5, <clears throat> talking about the uh, day of the Lord. It says, Woe unto you, verse 18, Amos 5, 18, that desire the day of the Lord. Um, doesn't mean that you, you're wanting Christ to come back, but um, to what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness, not light. 
Verse 20, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Very dark. Now, let's go over to Zechariah 14. We seem to have a contradiction here. Zechariah chapter 14. If the day of the Lord is darkness, all darkness, then where do we get off singing this song from Zechariah 14? I'll spare you. I will not sing it for you. Zechariah 14, and in verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Verse 2, I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem. So that's a future. See, that's, that's the end. All nations haven't been against Jerusalem. Not yet. Verse 3, Then will the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet will stand that day upon the Mount of Olives. Verse 6, It will come to pass in that day that the light will not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it will come to pass that at evening time it will be light. Now, what, what are we talking about there? We, when Christ returns, it's going to be a day of darkness, but here it says at evening time it's going to be light. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 21. And we'll begin to see this all come together. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 21, after Christ's return, after the resurrection, after the millennium, after the great white throne judgment, after the resurrection of the wicked, after the new heavens and new earth, what do we find? Revelation 21, and in verse 23, the city, New Jerusalem, had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb was the light of it. And in verse uh, chapter 22, and in verse 5, there will be no night there. They'll need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, what we begin to see here is that the day that Christ returns, it will be a dark day. It will be darkness. There will be part of those heavenly signs, and there will be darkness. But there's also the day of the Lord is a thousand years, which we'll see, but it's also eternity. It goes on and on and on. There is no sundown. There is no darkness. It's the seventh, you know, the, the true Sabbath, if you will, goes on for eternity after Christ returns, the seventh day. See, man has 6,000 years to, to go on about his business. Do you remember what God told Adam when he said, if you take the wrong tree, he said, you'll die. But when did he say he'd die? He said that day, didn't he? He says, in the day that you eat of the tree, you will die. When did Adam die? Anybody know how old Adam was when he died? 930 years old. But see, that day, he died before 1,000 years, didn't he? Look at 2 Peter chapter uh, 3. So the day of the Lord is one day. Christ will return, and, and we know that that one day is the day of the Lord. Second Peter chapter three. <clears throat> and 
And they say, where is the promise of his coming? See, if you don't have the holy days, you wouldn't know. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue like they were from the beginning of time. Wars, rumors of wars, don't understand. For this they are willingly ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens of old and the earth were standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the earth, sorry, the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store or in storage, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition or the destruction of ungodly men. You say, now wait a minute, the day, does, how can that happen during the day of the Lord? We'll see that a little later too. Verse 8, he explains how it happens. He says, but beloved, don't, don't be ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So you've got man being created. You've got six days that man works, and the seventh day is the day of the Lord that never ends. That's why, you know, it's been twisted here lately, but that's why in Genesis there's no sundown to the Sabbath because the real Sabbath will go on for all eternity. The day of the Lord will go on and on and on and on as God rules and reigns forever and ever and ever. So you've got Adam and Eve sin. God says 6,000 years you do your own thing. In that day you die. Well, Adam did. He died the first day. 930 years into it, he died the first day because a day is 1,000 years. Six days end... And lo and behold, Christ returns. And guess when Feast of Trumpets is? The first of the seventh month, the seventh 1,000-year period. And you've got 1,000 years. That's why there are scriptures that say, in that day, they will rebuild the waste places. How can you rebuild them the day of the Lord? All the fighting and everything going on? Because the day of the Lord means 1,000 years. The day of the Lord means all the way to the end when people are resurrected. It means eternity, it means one day, and there are also scriptures that say the day of the Lord, the hour of his return. So that could be the day of the Lord as well. It's interesting when Christ, no, I'll save that. That's, I, I get off and we'll never get through. Um, <clears throat> let's look at Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. So, you see, it's important because as you come across prophecies that will say, in that day, if you read them sometimes, if you're just thinking a 24-hour period, you know you're wrong there because the, the Feast of Trumpets, see, they, they're more than 24 hours. Some of them last a year, some of them last several months. So you know that the first trumpet is during the day of the Lord. You know that the last trumpet is during the day of the Lord. So you know the day of the Lord isn't 24 hours. And we know that the day of the Lord is a thousand years because that is the seventh, you know, that is the Lord's day, the Sabbath is. And it's not fulfilled. How can it be fulfilled if Christ hasn't come back and the seventh day hadn't even started yet? It hasn't even begun yet. But the day of the Lord is also a year. And there's a possibility that the seven trumpets blow during that year. Ezekiel 34, and in... Um, Now, how come I have that? Maybe that's Isaiah 34. Let me, no. I know that that's 34. Maybe my eyes just not falling on it. I have 34A. Is that what it is? Uh, 
Well, anyway, there's a scripture that says that the day, day of the Lord... Oh, you know what I can do? I, can, I know where I've written it down in another place. Hang on just a second here. That was really dumb. <clears throat> well, anyway, I'll... Uh, well, I have, I, oh, I have Isaiah 34. I'm sorry. I bet that's what it is. Isaiah 34. No wonder. I wrote it down incorrectly. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Isaiah 34 is about the day of the Lord. Isaiah 34, come near all the nations to hear. Let the earth hear. Verse 2, the indignation of the Lord is on all nations and his fury on their armies. And we know where that comes in, don't we? We know that he'll fight against those armies. He's utterly destroyed them. He's delivered to the slaughter. Verse 4, the host of heaven will be dissolved. See, and he's going back to the heavenly signs that set the scene. Verse 5, my sword will be bathed in heaven. <clears throat> Verse 8, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. In verse 8, the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion. So there's a, a year time there as well that it begins, and you've got the seven trumpets blowing. But it's also this 1,000-year period. Look at Malachi chapter 4. <clears throat> I told you we'd have a lot of scriptures, but... Malachi chapter 4 proves that the day of the Lord is also goes beyond the thousand years and even to the time when the wicked are raised up. Remember there's, and see, and by understanding that, it, it was very, very helpful. And again, understanding time lapses and duality, that um, uh, chapter 4, and if you read like the, the verse ahead of it, Verse 18 in chapter 3, it says, Then you, that's you Christians, shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. Then verse 1, For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. Now we've gone all the way to the end. And all the proud. Now the only way all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble in the day that comes and will burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, and it shall burn them and neither leave root nor branch. The only way that can happen is as at the resurrection of the wicked. Because you could burn all the evil people today, but that's not all the evil people because people have died. So the only way that all the wicked is at a resurrection. Now, when will that take place? At the end. Now, the seventh day has a sun, doesn't it? Has, a, has daylight. Uh, there's day in the seventh day. There's no light. That's why the next verse says what it says. It says, but unto you that fear my name, the sun, S-U-N, not talking about worshiping the sun, but it's showing that Christ at the end of the millennium and at the end of all of this, he is the sunshine. There is a day with no end. There is no darkness in the day of the Lord. It goes on and on and on and on for all eternity. It says, the sun of righteousness will arise with healings in his wings, and you will go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and you'll tread down the wicked, because there'll be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I do this, remember the law of Moses with its statutes and judgments. 
The law of Moses, the Sabbath day, is the fourth commandment. The Sabbath day has statutes. See, statutes are sub-laws. The law is keep the Sabbath holy. The holy days are statutes, sub-laws of the fourth commandment. And when you keep the law and the statutes, guess what? The day of the Lord can't sneak up on you. People can't come and say, Christ has come back. Christ is here. Christ is there. He's over in the desert. You know, Christ didn't explain how you go and do some sort of a pen test on each one of these Christs. If you keep the law and the statutes, and you keep the holy days, and you understand Matthew and Revelation, you put it together with God's Spirit, with all of the styles we talked about, how can you be deceived? It says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. See, it, you can't be if you hang on to these. Yes, you're hanging on to Christ. It's not a substitute that you turn loose of Christ and grabbed on the holy days. They, you know, they all go together. They go together. So we see then that this, um, um, the day of the Lord is a day. It's a year. It's a thousand years. And it's all eternity. It goes on and on and on. So <clears throat> let's go back now to Zephaniah which is you've got back to Zechariah and then uh, Haggai and then Zephaniah. And we'll read a little bit more about the day of the Lord. <clears throat> See, by understanding what we just covered, it will help us because at times we come across prophecies that will intermix what happens when Christ first comes back what happens at the end of the thousand years, you know, they'll mix them together. And by here and there a little, you know, it's confusing to others, but it shouldn't be confusing to us at all. That's why you can read that the day of the Lord is darkness, but you can read that the day of the Lord, there's no darkness in it at all. And understand that that is not a contradiction in terms. We can understand that, that there will be no more death, but then we can understand that there'll be a lot of death. That there'll be fighting, but then there'll be no more fighting. Well, because it depends on what you're talking about. The end of the day of the Lord, in the middle of the millennium, at the end of the millennium, what are you talking about? So you put it all together and we get the right answers. Now, Zephaniah, uh, his name means he whom God has hidden from evil. That's a good name to have during the day of the Lord. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Verse 7, hold your peace at the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand has prepared a sacrifice, he's bid his guests. Now, we'll hold our place here and we'll, we'll go back to Revelation 19 and we'll sort of begin to pick up some, some things here. <clears throat> because the day of the Lord is needed, as we move on into that, why is it needed? Because the nations will fight against him. They are totally deceived by Satan the devil. They have a government force, they have their own religion, they are persecuting anybody that is in their way, they've totally done away with the law of God, they have a brand new day to keep, which is symbolized by the mark of the beast, and the holy, uh, their, their holy days, their holidays, and all of that is in control, and when Christ re returns, they're not going to give that government over. They will have punished anybody that has gotten in their way, so Christ is going to have to rescue them. He'll never spank you without letting you know that you're going to get spanked ahead of time, so we've got the sixth seal, which was the heavenly signs, then the trumpet blows, and we begin to have these different trumpets come along. But the gospel's preached, 
People are warned. You've got a couple witnesses that go out and they let the people know. So before God would ever, ever turn you over his knee, he makes sure you understand uh, that you, you know, know what's coming. <clears throat> Revelation uh, 19 talks about Christ's return. I saw heaven open, and there was a white horse, and he that sat on him was faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. That's put there because the guy on the first white horse back in Revelation 6 has a crown, has a name, he goes out to conquer. It's the false church. But how do they make war? Not in righteousness. See, they're in bed with the governments. This government's in charge. Hey, I get rid of this lover and I get in with this other lover. And so that's why she's called a prostitute. She says she's the bride of Christ, but Christ says, no, I will not meet you as a man. You are a prostitute. And all of your kids are results of your whoredoms. And you go and you look, and many of them are. They have come out of there as a result of political uh, uh, breakups and so forth. As certain kingdoms and other people get in power, then these other churches and so forth would break away. They're a result of that. They're the seed of that. So he does in righteousness judge and make war. And his eyes are flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, because he, he's Lord of Lord, kings of kings, and he has a name written that no man knew but himself. And it explains that it's Christ, as verse 13 it points out that it's the word of God. Verse 14, armies that are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. I don't think the horses are clothed. I think it's probably the, the people. But, uh, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and he smites the, uh, the nations. Verse 17, I saw this angel standing in the sun, and he cries with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come gather yourselves together to the supper of the great uh, God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, so this is Revelation 19, verse 18, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and uh, so on. In verse 19, I see the beast and the kings of the earth gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Now, we don't know what happens between verse 19 and verse 20 here. It just says that they must have gotten beaten because their leader, <clears throat> the beast and the false prophet, are taken and thrown. Uh, they do a belly flop into the lake of fire. You have to go other places to find out what happened there. So we'll come back there, but let's go now back to Zephaniah. <clears throat> verse 8, it will come to pass in the day of the Lord's sacrifice. So the day of the Lord is also called the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all that are clothed with strange apparel. Remember, we're not to be naked and we're not to be in strange apparel. The apparel is the righteousness of the saints. So how do you get that? Through Christ and through obedience to Christ. Verse 9, in the same day, I will punish all those that leap on the threshold and fill their master's house with violence and uh, deceit. Verse 14, the great day of the Lord is near, is near and hastens greatly. The voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man will cry there bitterly. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastedness, uh, desolation, a day of darkness, gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Now, 
that in one sense happened a little bit when Christ died on the cross. There was one or on the stake, whatever. He was, there was a, a bit of a darkness came over the land, and that was a mini-fulfillment. But there again, Christ has to come back. That's not it. You know, that's just, again, in a type. A day of, uh, now, verse 16. A day of the trumpet. See, a day of the trumpet. An alarm against the fenced cities and high towers. And I will bring distress on men, and they'll walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood will be poured out as dust, and their flesh like dung. And money won't save them in verse 18. So, it's very plain here that he explains and points this out. Now, we have an opportunity to escape that. Chapter 2, verse 3. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be that you will be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Now, that's not all that happens in the day of the Lord. The Israel will be in captivity, and they will learn, and they will change. Now, you don't repent in one day. You repent over a period of time. Chapter 3, verse 11, <clears throat> says, In that day shall you be ashamed, this is Israel, Zephaniah 3, verse 11, In that day shall you not be ashamed, sorry, for all your doings, wherein you have transgressed against me. For then I will take away out of the midst of you them that rejoice in your pride, and you will no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. And I will leave in the midst of you an afflicted and poor people. Remember, uh, the poor and the meek will inherit the kingdom, and they'll trust in the name of the Lord. And the remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, shall not speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they will feed and lie down, and none will make them afraid. Talking like they're, they're sheep. You know, they'll, they'll feed, they'll lie down, they'll be rested. Sing, O daughter of Zion. So this is the church. It's not Zion because, you know, this is the, the next step. There's Babylon and daughter of Babylon. There is Zion and daughter of Zion. O Israel, be glad and rejoice with the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Verse 15 says, the Lord has taken away your judgments. And what that means is they had judgments coming against them. They'd sinned against God. They'd broken the laws. They broke, uh, you know, time and again. So God had judgments. He says, well, you did this, so your judgment should be that. But when he returns, he forgives, he brings them back, he takes away their uh, judgments. He has cast out your enemy. Now that could very well be, uh, again, during the day of the Lord, you cast out the beast and false prophet, but also who gets cast out? Satan the devil, who's in the midst of you, who's the God of this world, the prince of darkness, deceived the whole world. So he's thrown out too during the day of the Lord, and I'm using that in the long general sense. But remember, day of the Lord kicks off all the other events. The king of Israel, verse 15, even the Lord is in the midst of you, you will not see evil anymore. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ uh, sitting on the throne of David. He is the seed of David who will come and rule. And in that day it will be said to Jerusalem, fear not, don't let your hands be be slack. <clears throat> the Lord your God is in the midst of you, and he's mighty, and he will save you and rejoice over you, and so forth. Now, Isaiah 24, and we'll uh, stop with, uh, with that for the uh, morning, but Isaiah 24, <clears throat> there is so much that happens during the day of the Lord. 
it is absolutely filled with, uh, with different happenings. And it's very important that we get the time set up. That's why we went through Matthew 24. That's why we went through Revelation 6, to be able to see that all of these things come one after another. And once a person turns loose of those things, uh, it, it could slip up on you. You could simply not understand what is happening. Um, Isaiah chapter 24, a lot of people don't realize that the day of the Lord comes on mankind because mankind has broken the covenant with God. He thought, oh, wait a minute, I thought only Israel had the covenant. No, 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 no. Abraham had a, or sorry, not Abraham, uh, Adam had a covenant with God. God wanted to be his God. There was an agreement. You're here, you know, uh, don't take of this tree, you won't die. And when Adam sinned, remember, the covenant is binding on your children. So all of mankind, all of these kids, everybody got kicked out for 6,000 years. And we can't get back into the tree of life, except through the second Adam. And the second Adam comes, we die the first death because of the first Adam. Remember? Sin entered by Adam, and death on all men, so it's appointed unto all men once to die. So we're the children of Adam. We die. But when we're brought back to life, we, even if we're unconverted, we're, we're the sons of Christ. We are the second Adam. Second Adam, we're his children. Then we listen to him and we say, you know, he says, it's by my life you have access to the tree of life if you do what? Do the commandments. Keep the commandments. That's what Revelation 22 says. Blessed are they that do this, that have a right to the tree of life. What do they have to do? Keep the commandments. How do you get back in? Through Christ. So it's through the second resurrection, the general resurrection, great white throne judgment, that people are brought back to life, and they are the sons of Christ. They don't even know who he is, but they're back to life. They say, what am I doing here? Just like when you were born the first time. You didn't say, you know, why am I here? You were just born. You came from your parents. So the second resurrection, people will be born, and they'll say, I, I was dead. That's right. I'm Adam. I, Jesus says, I'm the second Adam. You are my children. Now, if you want to do what's right, you will believe in me, you will obey me, you will do the commandments, and you can have the tree of life. You suffered in the first life because your daddy, Abraham, sinned, and death came on you, and I had nothing to do with you. The whole world was deceived by Satan. I kept my hands off, called a few people now and then. So, with that in mind, then, you know, when the day of the Lord comes, it's because mankind, all the way back from Adam on, have broken the covenant. You say... Well, how could they do that? They didn't even know about it. That's too bad. When you make a covenant with God, it's binding on your children. If you go spend all your money in Las Vegas, what you just did is binding on your kids. If you get AIDS, if you become a drug addict, you know, it's binding on your kids. That is part of it. So when Adam sinned, it was on the children. And it's been on every one of us ever since. And so part of the good news is that Christ is the second Adam, and that we'll get resurrected, not we, because we're going to get it in the first resurrection, but mankind will get the second resurrection, there'll be a second Adam, and they'll have that opportunity to have eternal life. But how do they do it? Keeping the commandments. So it all ties together. So it's very important, if Satan's deceived the whole world, that right at the end he does away with the commandments. He does away with the law, does away with the holy days. Isaiah 24, Behold, the, earth, the Lord makes the earth empty. He makes it waste. He turns it upside down and scatters uh, abroad the inhabitants thereof. And then it'll be that way with, with all the um, 
different levels of society. Verse 2 says it will be that way with the priest and with the servant, with the master, with the maid, with her mistress, with the buyer, with the seller, with the lender, with the borrower, with the taker of usury, with the giver of usury. So, you know, day of the Lord's on everybody. Verse 3, the land will be utterly emptied, utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken his word. The earth mourns and fades away and the world languishes and fades away and, and the haughty people of the earth do perish. And you read the trumpets and all of the plagues and all the problems and the last seven plagues that come in the seventh trumpet, you, you see what he's talking about here. Verse 5, the earth is also defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they, now it's not talking about Israel here, it's talking about the people on the earth. They have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Again, this is all humanity because remember, we all come from Adam. And Adam knew God. Adam had a, an opportunity and Adam made a choice and that choice is binding on you and me today. So even if you lived a perfect life and never sinned, you'd still die because of what your dad broke the covenant, your dad being Abraham, or Adam, sorry. <clears throat> Verse 6, Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell there are desolate. The inhabitants of the earth are burned, and there's few men left. See, there's not a whole lot left. Verse 19, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth moved exceedingly. So we read about other earthquakes. And then there's sort of an analogy like a drunk weaving down the hall there. Verse 20, it says, the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard and, and be moved like a cottage, and the transgression will fall heavily upon it. In verse 21, it will come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish the hosts of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth. Well, we read about that. And verse 22, they'll be gathered together as prisoners in the pit. Well, some will get thrown in the lake of fire and be shut up in the prison and after many days shall be visited. Now, who would that be? Well, there's a prophecy that Satan, who is the king of this world, who is behind the king of Babylon, which Isaiah 14 says, he'll go in prison, but it says after many days he'll be visited. What's that? the end of the millennium, he gets let out, right? For how long, we don't know, but he gets let out. So here's a prophecy of what? Day of Atonement and how that happens. And then verse 23, then, and what is it? The moon will be confounded, the stars ashamed, and uh, this is probably the sixth seal that sets it all up, and the Lord of hosts will reign in the Mount of Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. So there's a little hint of the resurrection when the ancients, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the others, will be brought back to life and be set up during this time frame. So what we'll do is we'll come back in the afternoon sermon and we'll pick up what you and I will be doing. Because there's a lot more to the day of the Lord. I hope we see, well, I know we do because we're here. But this is a fantastic heritage to have the holy days because it opens up all of these things. You know, I felt so sorry for this lady. I thought, you know, you know, I was able to give her like a little five-minute shot, at least about heaven, and I was very gracious with her, and I, I said, you know, I really admire what you're doing and your, your uh, committedness and so forth, and I, too, believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted him as my Savior. There's just a lot of other things that, that uh, you know, that you probably don't understand that, that we teach, and I'd be happy to talk with you about that sometime. And she handed me a track and hit the trail. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is amazing when you stop and realize what we've just covered and it's made available by the holy days and there's so many people who would really like to know but again it's not given them uh, it's not given to them it's given to us and then the question we always have to ask is what are we doing with it